Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast, the only Italian football podcast that brings you into Italy and into the stadiums every single week. This week we're at five of the ten Serie A games we've played, so standards are slipping a little bit again, but we'll get back up to six and seven soon, don't worry. As ever, I'm your host Connor Clancy, I am joined by Nicholas Carroll. Nick, welcome back, we missed you last week. Hi Connor, good to be back. Um, Yeah, good to see a lot of the so-called top teams winning this week. So it seems like the um, the bigger clubs are starting to rise to the top. So, uh, yeah, keen to talk about it. Excellent. And also voting, joining me, rather, is Vito Doria. Vito, it's good to speak to you again. Yes, thank you, Connor. I'm looking forward to the chat as always. And uh, for me, it's a pretty good weekend, although I do send my commiserations to you for this week's result. Yeah, well, I'm actually in Bergamo at the moment after that game earlier, which we will get into that later because we've been given out for not talking about Atalanta. So let's talk about them this week, shall we? Um, I want to start at the San Siro where Milan beat Chievo 3-1. The big story here again, I guess, is Gonzalo Higuain being brilliant. Nick, whenever he plays, he just shows us exactly what Milan have been missing for these last two seasons. Yeah, 100%. you know whether it's helping in that build-up play or actually finishing his um he's definitely helping on in a lot of different ways in that Milan team um so definitely they've missed him and um he's he's going to continue to be a huge uh a huge a differential for them throughout the season yeah for sure the thing about him is his movement is amazing and you don't even really notice that and so you see, he's in these positions that their strikers have never gotten into before, with the exception of Cutrone, I guess. But it's it's ridiculous. Vito, Higuain, 
it, obviously his positioning is good, but then when he gets into these positions, his finishing is just, it's incredible. And it's exactly what this club have needed for so long. Absolutely. After the, the disappointment of last season, especially with Nikola Kalinic, it is great to see Milan too see them with uh, a proper striker like Gonzalo Higuain. And after two years where he underachieved at Juventus, I think a club like AC Milan have shown that they needed him and he's making the most of that. One thing that kind of struck me from this game was that he's developing a bit of a relationship with Suzo, which is only going to be good for that side. Um, Suzo... I've often criticised him. Dov has criticised him as well for just being a bit of a one-trick pony. He goes down the wing, cuts in onto his left foot and puts the ball in the general direction of the back post, whether it's a shot or a cross. I don't think he even knows at times. But is that now seeming to be because he had no one that he could trust to finish off the chances? Now he's got Higuain and he's he's looking for that reference point. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, to to be honest, I think this was actually the... Um, you know, Higuain was a standout, but I think this was probably the biggest positive for Milan fans from this match. It was the combination that was um, between Suso and Higuain that's clearly been developing. And not only that, as you, as exactly as you mentioned, Connor, it it wasn't him cutting onto his left foot and doing the usual cross or shot on his left. The first goal was a cutback on his right foot, passed to Higuain for the goal. And the second goal, he was basically in a central position and provided the ball forward. Um, so it's it's the, we're seeing a different element to Suso's game, which has been key. He's I, I think as as late as last week, Dov was saying about him being somewhat of a one one trick pony, and it has been true. It, it is always that same play, but we're seeing this other element to his game developing, which is going to provide a lot more attacking options for Milan going forward. And obviously the more these two are playing together, the, the, you know, the better it's going to be for their attack. So it's quite exciting to see. And Milan fans should be, it's a lot of promise for Milan fans. Yeah, for sure. Well, Suzo's always been a player who has undoubted technical ability, but it's just, he doesn't use it well enough usually. But now if he's got Egwene who, he makes these runs and finds these spaces that no one else has before. So Sousa can just play a ball into the box. And nine times out of ten, if it, if he's putting the pass into the right area, Iguain will be there or else he'll find his way there pretty soon. We do have a question on Milan Vida. I'll throw this to you. Abdul says, Milan haven't kept a clean sheet since April in Serie A. Why are they struggling so much in defence? And was Leo Benucci that important to them? I do debate Bonucci's importance to agree, and that's probably because at the start of last season, he was rather shaky and erratic in his form. If I had to analyse any particular points, the fullbacks are rather offensive-minded, so inevitably they're going to leave some space somehow. I do feel that the defence is also rather spread spread out. I don't think it's compact enough. And also, it just if we're talking about in general, like throughout the season, the main pairings being Musacchio and Romagnoli and Caldara hasn't featured regularly as yet. So I think with Musacchio, he's a guy that's more of a ball-playing defender than your typical pure centre-back that can just actually defend and stop the opposition from playing. So 
that those would be my reasons. I've actually um, kind of looked at looking at a few some stats this week, and one that actually leapt out to me was obviously Milan have been conceding, um, but they've only conceded one goal in the first half in Serie A this season, compared to nine in the second half. So I thought that was quite um, telling in terms of they 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 do have that kind of that first team we know you know on the team sheet when they put out a starting lineup it's quite strong though I think this is a sign of their um, a lack of depth in that by the second half they just Gattuso doesn't necessarily have the players to be able to to rotate or to substitute um, to make those changes where necessary where players are being fatigued so there is going to be a bit of relief going down as Vito mentioned Caldara will play more and more but um I think I think it's at the moment a, a big part of it is just simply fatigue and a lack of um a lack of depth for the team so I'm not that'll probably be a problem for a lot of the season but it will slightly improve in the coming weeks you would hope rather than that being depth though does does that not strike you as being as just saying that these players aren't fit enough and given that we're 8 weeks into the season and we've had a break for the internationals already that is concerning no yeah, I mean, you could very much argue that. You could also argue it's a, a mentality issue given the amount of time they actually spend ahead of teams and then, um, you know, lose that lead. It's I think it's more than just about any other team. So, you know, you could argue mentality. You could argue a lack of fitness. You could argue lack of depth. There's a lot of potential reasons for it, possibly a combination of all of it. But, um, yeah, something about that second half, it's – it seems to come undone. So I'm sure Gattuso will be working on ha- uh, fixing that. Okay. Um, one player who certainly doesn't struggle from fatigue is Giacomo Bonaventura. And he celebrated his 150th AC Milan appearance today with a goal. He very nearly scored in the first half, but Stefano Sorrentino made a great save. He got his goal in the second half, albeit through a deflection. But Vito, this is a guy who who doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, so, so just give some credit to Jack. What I like about Bonaventura is he's a player that is good on his day. He's got good skills and he knows how to make those runs from deep in midfield. He can score goals from a midfield position. And I reckon the thing that holds him back more than anything is just a matter of consistency. I don't think he can do it week in, week out, but on his day, he's a fine player. And perhaps if Milan can keep rising off up the table and he can play a more integral role, then he might get a few more plaudits. Yeah, possibly. Bonaventura has always struck me as a type of player who is consistently six out of ten, right? He's not going to give you an eight every week, but he'll rarely give you less than a six. And he can deliver these eight out of ten performances every other week. And I don't know, I think he's a great asset to the team because, as you said, he does so much more. When he left Atalanta, he was an attacking player, often a, a winger or a 10. But now he's a box-to-box midfielder and Gattuso must love having him there. Uh, well, he looks like the complete package in the midfield based on his attributes. Again, maybe form-wise, he's not going to give you the 8 out of 10 games, as you say, but the way he plays now, playing in the on the left side of the midfield trio, it just offers a lot, you know, going forward. Uh, trap King back maybe doesn't do as much as, say, 
And Frank Kessier would because he's not really that type of player, but he's he provides that link offensively. And when Milano and the tech is more of an asset than a liability. Uh, someone else who uh, I think it's pretty safe to say isn't going to give you an 8 out of 10 performance every week, Nick, is Ignacio Abate, but he seems to be finding a bit of a role in this Milan team of late. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm granted not his biggest fan, but he's he's been solid, I'll say. I won't go too much further than that, but um, no, no, no doubt he's helped for, by those players around him um, doing their job. So, you know, it, when when Milan have that central structure, I think it helps a lot of those fringe players. So, um, which is no doubt um, flowed onto Abate. Yeah, he, he nearly scored a, a comic alone goal, or at least he he gave Donnarumma work that Donnarumma didn't need to do with a, a header back to the goalkeeper from inside six yards. That was more troubling than it should have been, really, and absolutely needless as well. Uh, the game that's just finished that Inter Spal. Inter got the points just about as well in Ferrara, but again, they were reliant on Icardi. But Nick, good signs. A win away to a tough team. Yeah. Um, yeah, good good signs. Um, I think the key is, again, Inter are winning these matches. Um, with previous seasons, these matches have been drawn or lost. Um, so... Yeah, I, I wouldn't say. I mean, obviously, Cardi is key once again, but you know, I think the the work of uh, the likes of Nangalan and Perisic for that second goal in particular, that that ball, I feel like everyone kind of missed how good that ball was, but um, that that created that goal. And also, Lataro Martinez, he had just come on and he actually made a run, which created more space for Icardi as well. So, you know, I think that final, the team in that final third is actually working quite well together. Uh, what what seemed to lack t- in today's match was that the the midfield, the holding midfield, where Vecino and Borja Valero just didn't really do the job and Spal seemed to get the better of them a lot. Um, so it was the service to that those attacking players that it seemed to lack and they just weren't able to control the the game like the likes of Abrozovic um, usually would, of course, wasn't available. So, you know, lots of work to be done. Obviously, for Spalletti, I'm sure, um, you know, the likes of Miranda will, um, won't be particularly happy with his match or his performance. But, um, yeah, they got the result and um, that's all that matters. It's an important one before the international um, international break and like you said Spal aren't, um, aren't a difficult team I mean aren't a, an easy team to beat and t- to be honest it's four I think that's four losses in a row for Spal so I, I do kind of feel for them because they are a much better team than those results suggest so um, you know I think Spal fans any Spal fans that happen to listen to us um, you know I don't think it's all negative I think there's a lot to still be positive about their team because they you, you could argue that they deserved a point in that match yeah, definitely. Um, I would agree with that. But Spal, I don't think there's any reason to be worried about them this season. They will be absolutely fine. They had a good start. They're now down in 14th, but I think there is enough below them, particularly what Kievo, Frosinone, probably Bologna and Udinese as well, that they're not going to be bothered. And Empoli as well. If we'll get on to Empoli in a minute, I want to talk about them. But Nick, maybe I said that it was Icardi Reliance. 
by that, I meant that it still took two Icardi goals for them to win. And mm. if Icardi's not there, is anyone else going to score those goals? You could argue Lataro Martinez, maybe, but it's still a bit early. Well, I mean, the thing is, I'm fairly sure, I haven't double-checked this, but I'm fairly sure Inter has um, more players that have scored um, across the pitch than any other Serie A team this season. So, you know, I'd, I'd in, um, Icardi, that was his second and third goal in Serie A this season. So I think, if anything, this season has shown the, the exact opposite of other seasons where we're seeing the more players get into that attacking third and more players contribute and the combinations are building. I mean, just in, in today's game alone, the combination between Nangalan and Icardi, I thought, was uh, really, really impressive and showed a lot of promise. I, th- I think they're going to keep building something and then you've still got that Perisic uh Perisic Icardi combination Politano is coming along really well so I actually think this um this perceived reliance on Icardi is becoming less and less with every game that this team is playing so again more and more positives that I'm seeing in this inter team and the the more they they're gonna they're gonna continue to 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 improve throughout the season and the key thing is now that they're not playing great but Again, they're getting the wins, and it'll, it's exciting to see where they might be next um, next year. Not that they're going to be fighting for the title or anything like that, because they're not. Just to be clear, no, nobody will be. Yeah, Inter actually have nine different goal scorers this season, but I still think that's there. That Cardi reliance, and I, I don't know yeah. because when he's not there, you can see that he's not there, right? And I think that's quite telling. Like against Parma. They they were crying out for him, and then when he came on, he was kind of trying to do everything. But we'll we'll park that for now because look, they've won, and I don't want to upset you too much. But well, um, against Cagliari, Latera Martinez did the job. So yeah, and exactly. Just last I did suggest he might be the guy who could carry some of the load. Um, but Cagliari are poor. Let's be fair. <laughs> All right, um, Alberto Poloski then scored for Spal for the second time in a row. For the first time since December 2015, Vito, this is a guy who was incredible at Kievo. He was a brilliant goal scorer, went to Swansea, didn't quite work out for him in England um, or Wales, but the English league. Went to Atalanta to his um, local team. And again, it was an absolute disaster for him there. Can he get back to his best in Ferrara? This is his second season with Spal. And he has contributed with a few goals so far, but uh, I do believe that he needs to be improving a lot more than what he has been doing. Whenever I see Spal play, I do believe that tactically they are well organised and they can either play with a deep defensive line or even play a bit high off the ground, but the strikers need to improve and Poloski is certainly one of them. You look at the team and they've got Antonucci, who's the captain, and then there's Andrea Patania, who they got from Atalanta, another one from your club. So there is some competition there, but at the end of the day, it's a matter of getting the numbers right, and I don't think there can be any room for any complacency from Poloski or any of the other strikers. They've simply got to lift and they've got to take their chances. Even if it's not through good play, they've got to try and create something from nothing. Well, he's the type of player who could, who would complement both Antonucci and Patania quite well if he was on form. Um, 
Nick, before we move on from Inter, I want to give a bit of praise to Samir Hantanovic because he was he was very good today. And I think it's fair to say this season hasn't been his best. But I think he showed today that he, there is still a world-class goalkeeper there somewhere. Yeah, he's he, he could still make the saves. But, um, I mean, some of his early ball deliveries put Inter under a lot of pressure as well. So th- there seems to be, I don't know, there seems to be some aspect of his game in every match that just makes you, you know, tighten the, um, the old blank a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's... It, he's. It, He's a bit frustrating this season, and yeah, I, he, I don't think it was overly convincing. But granted, he did make some very key saves, so which you know, I guess goalkeepers need it's their job to do. So he did his job to an extent. Um, Aaron Holland says Patania needs to go back to fishing. If he hasn't done it by now, he's probably not going to. Um, really good player for me, but his finishing is awful. And the two goals he got against Atalanta will likely be his. Only for the season until he goes back to Bergamo and scores two more against them. All right, let's let's go to Udinese nil, Juve two. Quickly, guys. Um. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Nick, business as usual. What, what, what do you even want me to say? <laughs> but honestly, uh, I can cut in. <laughs> go for it. Go for it, Nito. Obviously, judging by the score, it was a routine win for Juventus. And also, they could have won by more, but Simone Scuffet had an excellent game for the Friolani, and he made. Some really good saves. He made about four outstanding saves. So it's great to see that he's getting some confidence and that hopefully Udinese put some faith in him. If I was to talk about Udinese in general this season, it's been another season of struggles, but Rodrigo De Paul has been an excellent player for them this season. He's scored about four or five goals so far, and he's been caught up to the Argentine national team for the first time. So I think by the end of this season, we could see another Udinese player being sold for rather high money. 
and the cycle continues at Udinese, I guess, and the cycle in Serie A will continue in May when Juventus win another Scudetto because, sadly, probably going to go unbeaten or something this year. And I don't know, is it possible for them to win every single game they play just to make it so much worse for everyone else? Hasn't been the Derby d'Italia yet. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sure. Interval save today. Um, We'll be fine. Um, Happy to move on from this because I am. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. Why not? We we never get questions about Juve, do we? No, I don't think many Juve fans listen to us because we. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Because because we speak so objectively about them. Yeah. Of course. course, Of course. (laughs) Well, like they're boring, aren't they? Yeah, they are a bit boring to talk about. Let's let's discuss this they are boring and yeah they make the top of Serie A boring as well I was talking I was driving back um from Empoli last night and I just got into a really depressed mind state about Italian football because what's the point Juve will just win everything and mm. yeah it's not even they're, exciting they're boring but they are impressively boring I guess is the they're, key no but <laughs> this is the thing Nick they're not impressing yet this season, which makes it worse because they haven't played well once except for yeah. the game against Valencia. And I agree. That's why it's impressive because they're just in first gear. They haven't. That's, that's they haven't why it's impressive because season. they're just like, it seems like they're just out in the training park. It seems like they're, they're mm. still in July in their heads, just like, mm. oh, yeah, we'll get ready for the real season soon. It's kind of scary, isn't it? What's going to happen in March, April? It's, anyway, enough, yeah, enough. Right. let's go. Um, back down to reality, Empoli-Roma was a terrible game, and Empoli are awful. Roma weren't much better, but Roma won 2-0, and to give them credit, that's four wins on the bounce now. Are things looking a bit sweeter for Di Francesco, Vito? Absolutely. People can talk about the draw that they've got in the last four games in all competitions, but you still got to face the opposition and try and beat them, and that's what Roma have done. Most of the time, they have been rather convincing wins, and as I said in last week's podcast, the switch to the 4-2-3-1 formation has been very beneficial. About this game in particular, they only scored two, but uh, it was a matter of just getting the job done, and they gave... Luca Pellegrini, the young left-back, a chance to start because Kolarov was not fit. So I think that's a big plus to give one of your youngsters a chance. Yeah, I was quite disappointed that he came off, to be honest, because he was okay. But it it is quite nice to see him getting a run. Uh, Aaron Holland says, well, hey, that Coppa Italia looks interesting. Anyone could win that, I guess. Aaron, who've won the last few? Let's not be silly. Anyone can't win that. And then he says, any team with any sort of finishing and Roma wouldn't win that game, which is very true. Empoli, the the penalty that they missed was one of the worst I've seen, mm. probably the worst I've seen inside a stadium. Um, me and my friend just started laughing when he missed that. And I was trying, trying so hard not to laugh audibly because we were in the Empoli end. And then they had another couple of chances from close range that they just made an absolute mess of Nick Roma got away with one here yeah I mean I agree somewhat that some of the finishing was just 
poor um, from Empoli, which, you know, it, you feel a bit bad for their fans because they, you know, they, in some aspects, they actually played quite well to create so many chances. Um, but to Roma, like going off the back of what Vito was saying, I think that switch to the 4 2 3 1 has been really well. I think they're actually, including the Champions League match, they're four from four since they've started with that formation. Um, so they've won every match. So I think. Uh, in terms of their general play and certainly going forward, it's looking a lot more, I mean, the players are looking a lot more comfortable in this. I think the key now is um, the defence, which he, he needs to kind of um, transition that defence from from having those three defenders, um, those three midfielders to, to the two holding midfielders. I think there needs to be in a bit of an adjustment and, Clearly, they're conceding a lot more shots than they were last season. Um, they averaged 16.1 shots conceded per game this season compared to only 11.1 last season. That's um, that's five more shots per game they're conceding. So, you know, it, there's positives in that he's starting to make this team work and click, but I think defence is going to be the key now. He needs to somehow make that work. Um, but, you know, look, in the space of four weeks is completely, you know, granted not the the biggest opposition, but I mean, four weeks ago, there were already people talking about him getting fired, like mm. ridiculously in my opinion, but you know, you, you give him time to actually work with what he's got after a few big changes and you start to see some results. And so, you know, it's not perfect for them, but it's getting better and he just needs to be given time. Yeah, we we did have the discussions about whether or not he would be sacked, but I think everyone here was saying that he, he could be but shouldn't be because he's a good coach and he's earned the right to have a bit of time with that team. But it wasn't just the shots that Empoli had and missed. It was the number of times they broke or got at Roma and then didn't manage to get a shot off at the end of it. If they were in any way a good team, they would have scored three or four against Roma and missed all of the chances that they missed. Um uh, we have a question, do we? Oh, well, well, Roma have the Serie A Twitter championship wrapped up at least, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. 100%. I mean, right, some, sometimes it's a bit much, but <laughs> usually they're quite good on that, to be fair to all them. Um, how much that actually has to do with the club is a different issue. Uh, okay, anyway, Vito, Napoli won 2-0. Napoli's reserves almost won 2-0 against Sassuolo. So Swallow, who maybe are being brought back down to reality, but a good win for Napoli. These are the kind of wins that Napoli do have to register because they can't always play in an exciting way or use up great reserves of their energy. So I think it's fantastic to see that Napoli can get these kind of wins. Una scored a lovely goal with a flick and then that... uh, to put it in, and Insigne's right foot strike was another beauty from him. So it's uh, great to see that Ancelotti is using the bench a bit more, and Unas is another one of those guys that was not utilised by Sarri, but he somehow managed to make some sort of an impact under the new coach. Yeah, it was a really impressive goal as well. I know it was an absolute mess at the back from Sensuolo, but I-, I thought Unas took his chance quite well, and Nick, it's it's another example of Napoli showing that they do have depth. Hundred percent. It's we've spoken quite a bit about it this season already, but um, 
it's it's not only the player rotations, but it's their ability to actually seamlessly transition from one formation to another, from a four three three to a to a four four two or a four two three one. So that that ability it makes it so hard for a for a coach and for a team to plan ahead. As you, you plan to play Napoli, you got to firstly think: Am I actually planning to to defend against? Mertens, the the traditional Mertens, Calderon, Insigne trio, or are you going to be defending against Milik, which completely changes the the attacking game plan? And then mid mid match, if they decide, if Ancelotti decides, well, that's not working, I'm going to change it up. Then you've got to completely change your defensive game plan. So the way he's got this working, this team working, it's it makes it so hard to plan to not only plan for but actually play against to defend against in the um in the match itself so it's um it's it's great to see and it's great to see the the lights of rog and adam Ones getting these opportunities to play so um i'm sure napoli fans are, are, are quietly happy with uh, how things are going along yeah well, you're dead right about the the changing in formations because the thing i was most impressed with from napoli when i saw them uh, against Torino this season was that just how often they changed formation during the match. The back four stayed the same, but then everything else just moved around. It was so fluid. And at any given moment, it was hard to identify what formation they were playing. And then as soon as you had it pegged down, five minutes later, they had changed. And Insigne was playing as a 10, then he was playing as a nine, then he was playing in midfield. It was they're quite fun to watch, but not in the same way that they were last season. It's weird. You're kind of looking out for different things this year, but yeah, they look okay. Um, where can we go next? Right. We, we should probably talk about Parma. Um, right, no, we'll come back to that. Atalanta Nils Sampdoria won. Vito, this was probably one of the most dominant and one-sided matches I've seen in a long time, and somehow Samp got out of there with a one-nil win. I'm a bit surprised myself with it because it was one of the most underwhelming performances that I've seen from Samp in quite some time. Atalanta, I thought, were physically stronger than Samp, and also were moving the ball at a much quicker tempo. The thing that really stunned me was we looked slow. We looked weak and we weren't playing with the same fluidity. Atalanta was stopping us from trying to impose our game. Having said that, it's one of those things in Italian football. Sometimes you just need one good chance and that's what happened with the stump. The Doriani got a corner, Ramirez took it and Tonelli with the header and I'm happy that he managed to get it because he had a few tough years at Napoli and it's good that he's getting some continuity with the Doriani. He had a tough afternoon in Bergamo as well. He was the victim of some, of plenty of abuse because of an incident that happened between him and German Dennis when he was at Empoli a few years ago. Where he said the defense was great. Yeah, yeah, they were to be fair, but Atalanta dominated it, and it was how many times have we sat here? Not only this mm-hmm. season, but last season as well. And said Atalanta are amazing; they just can't mm-hmm. score. Um, last year, you accept that because they had Andrea Patania playing up top, who's not a goal-scoring striker. But they went and splashed like 20 million on Zapata this summer, and he hasn't scored yet. And I know it's early in the season, and he's shown signs that he can be a very good player, but mm. at the moment, the fact that he hasn't scored is so clearly playing on his mm. mind. 
Uh, Musabaro should have come on far earlier than he did. He probably should have started the game. Um, but then, ironically, when he did, he made a mistake that led to the goal. But uh, it's it's difficult at the moment. Pasalic, Pasalic shouldn't be playing. Um, Ilicic, I guess, is starting back to fitness. But Rigoni should probably be playing instead of Pasalic because Pasalic just doesn't offer anything in attack. So as often not to go forward, it's still all on Papu to create. And Papu now doesn't just play on the left. He goes from right to left to right to left and just does it all. And it's it's too much on him. Gasparini is now, people are talking about, do, do Atalanta need a new manager? Which is absolutely madness because Gasparini is the reason they are what they are and the reason we expect them to be better than they are. But yeah, it's it's hard to get too disheartened about Atalanta because they're doing everything except for scoring. And once the goals start to come, you would imagine they will shoot up the table. Uh, Gasparini said today that they have to reevaluate their objectives, which is probably true. They, they probably need to just start looking at getting into the top 10 sooner or later and then see what happens come February if they're in a position to challenge for Europe. But yeah, congratulations Vito on the first win in the first FIF derby of the season. I think it was. I, I don't think Atalanta Samper or Inter Samper Atalanta Inter have played yet this year. So the Inter first Samper. season. Yeah. Yeah. That has happened. Mm-hmm. Kozovic got the winner oh, a few course. weeks ago. Yeah. Of course. So I'm the big loser here so far, but <laughs> we'll we'll beat Inter and uh, a nice little triangle. <laughs> right. Should we go to Parma now? Because Yes. All right, firstly, Piontek scored again, which is ridiculous. Seven games in a row, eight in a row, including the Coppa Italia. The first since, what, Christian Vieri to do that in Serie A? And he is just a phenomenon. He's just good. His header today was good, though, man. But Parma won 3-1. Um, this is a big win, especially without Gervinho and without Roberto Inglese as well. Vito, this is a side who, before the season, it looked like they'd struggle to survive, but then they had that mad week at the end of the transfer window where they brought in a lot of players and they look like a comfortable, dare I say it, mid-table Serie A side. Absolutely. If you look at the other two teams, Empoli and Frosinone, who got promoted from Serie B as well, Parma have clearly strengthened much better than those two, and it has been very beneficial so far. Javinho and Inglese have been good additions to the team, but to win away without them has been a massive plus. And the way Parma played in that first half after going 1-0 down, I thought that was superb. They were a team they moved the, that moved the ball quickly, and they know how to use the wings as well. So I do believe that Parma can sustain that run. And when you're winning without two of your best attackers, I think that's a very positive sign. Yeah, for sure. It's weird because I'm not really sure what Parma do, like what their style of play is, other than give it to Javinho and see what he can work up. But they didn't have him today and it worked. So they must be doing something right. And Nick, how impressed have you been with Parma this year? Because we haven't spoken about them enough this season. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess they, it looks like they're going to be somewhat of the fairy tale for this season, which you know we, we were kind of hoping for. There was a lot of, or well, FIF, me and you 
ourselves or even out there kind of talking about their return. So there was a lot of fanfare about their return. Um, but, you know, I love, a, I love a good stat, Connor, but Palmer, obviously stats don't tell the whole story and Palmer is a, p- a perfect example of that. They, they average the least amount of shots per game. They concede the most amount of shots per game. They, they have the ball the least amount of time. Um, they have the least possession of anyone in the league, but they somehow make it work and they're, they're in ninth. They, they've got four wins. It's, it's when you look at the stats alone, you would think this team cannot be winning games, but they are. And it's simply because it's a very, very simple game plan, but they're effective at it. And when they have those opportunities, they're very good at finishing them. So that's been the key for them. It's, it's, there's not a lot of work being done in that central kind of position. They have uh, 20% of their attack goes through the middle of the pitch. It's all out, out wide. So it's, it's quite simple what they're doing. There's nothing complex about it, but they're just they're just being really effective at doing it. And I think they're they're kind of um, fighting off the back of a lot of, of passion from the, that is coming from the fans. So, um, I, you know, it's hard to really put your finger on how they're going about it, really. But um, yeah, good on them. Matt, yeah, long may it continue. That, that's almost a concern, though. I know as impressive as it is if they are creating fewer chances than anyone else and conceding more mm. than anyone else, is there going to be a regression to the mean soon where teams playing against them just score the chances they should score and par- score the percentage of their chances that they should and they start to slip down the table a bit? Potentially, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily a sustainable system, but for for someone, for a team in their position that doesn't really realistically have the resources to compete against the other Serie A teams, you know, this is probably going to be the most effective way to to survive um, in Serie A. So it's not sustainable, but it looks like and it could be enough to to at least keep them up and see them see them stay in the top league, which will hopefully see more financial investment next season and continuation from that so it's 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 the manager doing the best with what he's got at the moment yeah for sure and i'm all on board because i'll be living in palmer for this season so let's hope they do well because it would be quite nice if they were doing well and i was living there um right vito very quickly lazio beat fiorentina in what is a huge result obviously it was gerald mobile who got the goal uh just briefly tell us about this it was a one 0 win to Lazio, and I thought that with Fiorentina, they probably underachieved considering the attacking weapons they've got. But in saying that, the Aquila deserved the win, and particularly in the first half, I thought they were the more dominant side and they were creating more chances. I do have some concerns with the team because Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto they're probably not as influential as they should be, or as they were last season, but it's getting these wins that are important for Lazio. Beating a team like Fiorentina is not as easy as some of the other wins they've got this season, so perhaps this is a good confidence booster, and if they keep grinding out these kind of wins, perhaps Lazio can provide another challenge for the Europa League at least, and maybe they might produce something that could get them into the Champions League, but... I think it's all about getting the right results and at least getting into Europe. That should be a minimum requirement for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I don't see any reason why they can't make a push for the Champions League this season because they're definitely good enough. Simone Inzaghi has done a, an excellent job there. Other results this weekend, Cagliari beat Bologna 2-0. Bologna back to not scoring goals because they've got a terrible centre-forward. Um, and Torino beat Frosinone on Friday evening 3-2 in what was an exciting game. And Frosinone scoring twice in one match. Absolute madness. All right, guys, we are into the international break now, so that'll do us for this week. Um, the Derby, the Milan Derby is after the international break, so that'll be fun. But for now, Nick, is there a car driving into your house? Uh, sounds like it. Um, be safe, please. But And please do return after the international break. But thanks, Nick, for joining us this week. No worries. Thank you, Vito. Welcome, Connor. Pleasure as always. And thank you to everyone who's been keeping us going in the live comments on YouTube. Remember, if you do just listen to this podcast, you can tune in live and get involved with the conversation as we record. We go live on Sunday evenings, half 10 UK time, half 11 Central European time. Work it out for your own time zone from there because I'm not going through them all. But yeah, um, thanks everyone. I've been Connor Clancy and until next time, it's ciao for now. Ciao. Sei poco
fuoco col fuoco, chi vive in Calabria, chi vive d'amore, chi ha fatto la guerra, chi prende il 60, chi arriva agli 80, chi muore al lavoro, na 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 ma il cielo è sempre più blu, il cielo è sempre più blu. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.